I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. Jenny, you would probably be a good barmaid. Oh, although you don't have a good personality. Welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister Jenny, born in 1974. Good morning, Jen. Uh, this took a while to get together today, I feel like. Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm wearing like dumbass clothes because I haven't done laundry in a while. So like I'm wearing like my oldest workout clothes. Guys, Jenny, remember we were talking about she was buying a house. Well, she is, right? You have a closing date. It's going through. Next week, supposedly. But in the meantime, people had to come and photograph her apartment to be able to rent nightmare. it out again. And she was so freaked out. It was a night. First of all, it was a nightmare because they just like wanted to move everything. Like It was insane. It looked It was good, totally though. insane. The pictures look, I'm like, is that my house? That's not my house. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, they did some retouching in those. But Jenny, you know how she is about her privacy, like super weird. I know, now my shit's all over the internet. Yep, I'm going to throw that link up in the Mimi. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm kidding. <laughs> Mimi, she'll just have to wonder about where she lives. <laughs> in a dark cave somewhere with black furniture. <laughs> um, So we, you know, once you hear this, it'll be a few weeks past, but we did have a winner for the Drama Barn painting. So that was announced in the Mimi Bees, and hopefully by the time you hear this, the winner has received the item. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, although I ordered sweatshirts for my girls that have their school name on them. Post office lost them. They're Are you gone. serious? Yep, they're gone. Wow. Yeah. So you never know. I might ship that bitch through UPS. Because yeah, I think you probably should do that. I'm not trusting the postal service today. Um, I did want to make a couple announcements. One is we have two new five-star reviews. Two? Yes, because I didn't announce... The, oh, the last okay. one. So we have Lizzie. <laughs> wow. And Meganeem. Meganeem, 1993. So thank you both for your five-star reviews. Really appreciate that. It helps us show up in searches more often. So if, you know, we hey, we get it. Times are tight. If you can't be a patron, we totally get it. We hope you're enjoying the free content. Head over to Apple iPod iTunes or wherever you listen or podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Yeah, and leave us a five star, leave us a five star review. That would be really helpful. Um, we hope you enjoyed the anniversary edition. Jenny didn't like it. 
Um, I just said it wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I have a high standard for us that we were always trying to achieve. Wow. Did you just turn on ring light? Yeah. You just got way, way uh, younger. <laughs> no, right? They're great. Jenny just went from 50 to 30. <laughs> Everyone should get a $48 lamp, man. Worth every penny. All right, guys. So today we're looking at Little House on the Prairie, Season 5, Episode 2, As Long As We're Together, Part 2. Can I just say that we have this whole series of part one, part two shit. I'm going to fuck this up somehow on our, on our, on our platforms. So it's look too, for it's that, so confusing. Guys. Jenny's going to be fucking up the, uh, <laughs> the placement of these. Okay. So the description reads, while Mary is going to teach at the blind school in Winoka, and since they can't make a living in Walnut Grove, the rest of the Ingalls family goes to Winoka too. Charles gets a job managing a hotel and Carolyn runs the kitchen and dining room. They make, they meet, the acquaintance of an orphan Albert who befriends the Ingalls. I feel like I've just read the same description yeah, for the like last 15 times. episodes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did want to say real quick, there's a Young Guns 3 coming. I saw that. For fuck's sake. I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, God. I know how I feel about it's it. It's how I feel about the Little House revamp. I, I, I'm not into it. All right. I've, I've made a decision about the Little House reboot. John We're Stamos anxiously cannot, waiting. J- John Stamos cannot play Paw. Why did you even think that He's was going to be a thing? He's too pretty. Oh, Michael Landon's not going to like no, that. No, you need someone who's a little rugged. Okay. So, Mimi's, come at me with your ideas. I, I would say... Weren't you saying George Clooney? Because, you know, <laughs> he he's only like an A-lister. I'm sure he'll play it. I would say the actor has to be anywhere from, what, 25 to 35? If we start, well, I don't know what time period they're. Well, in. It, we know it's not the fucking prequel that I want. Right, we it's a that. reboot. So it's like age, late twenties to like fifties. Yeah. yeah. So we need I don't know somebody who just captures the brutality of living on the frontier with the hotness, with the intelligence, with the softness. All of that. All right. Can we end this line of discussion? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Jen, we open with a recap of part one, including this really hot shot of Charles rubbing Carolyn's back vigorously. Did you see that? This was a lengthy recap. (laughs) And these would have only been a week apart. Yes. Right? It's not like it's the end of the season and then you have to come up with a new one. We also see the wonderful recap of Charles deciding to tell a bar to be quiet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We open on Mary, and she's teaching about Da Vinci's Last Supper painting. I have an index card. Wow. I mean, you had to know that was going to happen. Well, instead of focusing on the art, she's focusing on who the apostles are. Well, she's teaching it for religious reasons, not for art reasons. God. All right, go ahead. What painting is Mary talking about? You can't mention a Da Vinci painting and not expect me to do an index card on it. I guess I just think everyone knows this painting, but go on. Mary's talking about The Last Supper by Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo was perhaps the greatest artist that ever lived. That was my opinion that I put in there. (laughs) The Last Supper... I don't disagree with that. The Last Supper is a fresco painted between 1495 and 1496. Now, going off my index card, a fresco is where they take um, wet plaster and they paint tempera paint or egg tempera into it and then they let it dry but 
The Last Supper was painted on dry fresco, which was like, whoa, everyone's all crazy. Hmm. Um, the problem with fresco that Leonardo wasn't used to is although he could get beautiful like depth of color and like luminosity, it's very unforgiving. So you have to like make change. You ha- changes are quick and permanent. Where he's used to working with oil paint, which you can like rework and rework and like mm-hmm. do all this stuff a million times. So it was a really challenging thing with them. When when um, do I cut her off, guys? Just I don't know. <clears throat> it is housed in the rectory of the convent of Santa Maria del Grazi in Milan, Italy. It depicts the Last Supper of Jesus with his apostles. Da Vinci depicts the moment where Jesus announces that one of them will betray him by sunrise. So that's why they're all like, oh. <laughs> like he, everyone has that friend, that Jesus friend, right? Where it's like, everyone's having a nice dinner. They're all chill. And he's like, one of you is going to betray me by tomorrow. You don't love me or whatever, right? Everyone has that friend. Yeah. In the art world, it was a pivotal painting because it's of its use of one point perspective. So two point perspective was the common um Art, like way to portray the space the perspective at that time mm-hmm. and in this the point of where the everything recedes is directly behind jesus in the middle of the painting and it almost mimics what we have come to know as a wide angle lens today mm-hmm. so like that's how that's how it looks it's gone through many restorations from decay vandalism and bombings the last restoration was in 1999 there were several copies of the painting made by da vinci students that survived that's how we know how it's supposed to look could you imagine like we would just take a picture of it. They sat there and like repainted in oil <laughs> this painting. So like where, that's crazy. Where is the original? <clears throat> it's in Milan, Italy. Did you see it? I've not seen that one. I've seen the Mona Lisa. I've seen a couple of his pieces, but I have not seen hmm. the Last Supper. Okay. That is on my list of, of paintings to go and visit. You have a list of paintings to go visit. Oh yeah. Yeah, of oh, course. Dear God, of course you do. All right, are we done? Okay. Carry on. Carry on. Okay. All right. So Caroline and Alice are stopping by, and they ask Mr. Ames, the blind school dude, about school for the kids. Right. And he's like, he tells this bizarre story. Apparently the founders of the city, like the city fathers, just care about their own kids. Well, this is, this is what's his name, Standish. Yeah, and they send yeah. them to private school. Right, there's only a private school mm-hmm. in the city. So there's a private school called the Winoka School. And the minute I heard that, I'm like, Willie and Nellie will be going to the Winoka School. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And it's super expensive. Okay, well, so I Karen like how Ames like, is kind of like, yeah, there's no school here. Like, like this is for blind kids. Like, yeah. no, there's going to be no regular kids going here. No. You would and think they'd have a couple spare rooms in that building. Carolyn's just like, well, that's that, I guess. I know. I was like, what? So then she sneaks into the room and tells Adam, we're throwing a surprise party for Mary tomorrow after seven in the dining room of the hotel. I guess they're just able to use the dining room like it's a banquet hall. That must be part of their like... Which is shocking. Perks, like package. (laughs) Adam's like, yeah, I'll get her there. On the way... I like how Ma's like, oh, well, Laura's not going to be educated and Carrie. Uh, It's Mary's birthday. That's more important. Let's focus on that. So Laura and Garvey, Jen, are all excited because they don't think they need to go to school now. Yeah. So Alice and Caroline are like, let's rub our heads together. We're both teachers. One of us has worked to death. The other (laughs) one has nothing to do. Is there a solution here somewhere? And you can tell Caroline's like, we're both teachers. We should be able to figure this out, Alice. (laughs) (laughs) I just have that, like, is everyone a fucking teacher? 
pretty much. If you were a woman, you were a teacher then. That was it. That was your yeah. only, like, nurse, teacher. Those yep. were your only options. Yep. So Carolyn, and Carolyn's like, well, it's not just my kids I care about. Because, you know, Laura's a genius. Yeah, I okay. worry about Carrie and well, the yeah. other kids in the town. <laughs> so Alice is like, all right, I'll do it. Just we need to find a, a room to right. to do. Okay. So back in the dining room, Jen, the sexual assaulter is back. And I want to just... Harlan. I'm going to call him Harvey Weinstein. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was going to go with Jeffrey Epstein, but I'm like, that's a crime of a different nature. Yeah. Yeah. So the the sexual harasser from last time when Charles angrily waited on, this dude's name is going to be Harvey Weinstein. Okay, so he's back, and he's brought Mr. Standish with him. Yes. Mr. Standish, just to refresh our our listeners' memory, owner of the hotel and the saloon, Charles And the town, basically. Total dickbag. Okay. Charles comes over... Well, they're, like, talking about Carolyn. They're like, oh, here's that hot waitress I told you about, Mr. Standish. But Mr. Standish knows her. Yeah, he He hired her. Yep, that's his employee. So Harvey Weinstein's like, oh, my God, she's so hot. And Charles comes over, and he's like, I'll take their order. And I'm like, yes, we get to see the angry waiting again. But it doesn't happen, Jen, because Mr. Standish is like, Charles, the woman will take the order. You go clean the windows again. Oh, my God. And Harvey Weinstein's like, um, remember, dude, you work for this guy. So get out of here. It's bad. This is so gross. It's bad. It's bad. It's real bad. Okay. Later, Carolyn tells Charles that Jonathan Garvey is worried he can't find a job. And I wrote, is he going to throw a fit? Yeah, probably. That's what he did last time. Charles is pouting because he's, he's been pissed. He's been emasculated. From <laughs> he's totally pissed. And Carolyn's kind of calling him out on like because he's just grumping about the city. Mm-hmm. And Carolyn's kind of calling him out on it. Like you said, you'd be okay here. Yeah, she's like you said. She gives him. I wrote. She gave him a Christian bullshit pep talk. Well, I would like to stand up for city folks in this instance. Okay. They did not come to Walnut Grove and set up a saloon across the street from the Ingalls Farm. Like they all came here. They all came here. They all came into the city and like are trying to live their lives. Right. Like go back to go go to another small town. Mm-hmm. Like why isn't there another place? Go back east. Go to a small town back east. Jenny, we picked up a little sarcasm from Charles and I was here for it. Cuz Carolyn's like, "Well, we do have good news. We, you know, we got the livery owner to give us half of the barn." For school and Charles is like, awesome, great, my kids are going to be going to school in a barn. That is good news. I was like, where have you been? Sarcastic I don't understand why Charles. Don't, I don't understand why they don't use the church. I don't either. Because I feel like Standish probably doesn't own the church. There's probably a priest somewhere, right? Like he, Standish gives a fuck about the church, right? Okay. And then Charles is like, okay, well, let's just like join in, and I'm like, yes, they're going to go have a beer. No, they start dancing. Nope. No, that's not what happens. Yeah. They dance and then they make out. I have fuck. He means dancing. That was weird dancing a la Duff Turf. <laughs> Nothing can top the dancing. <laughs> it was kind of, it was like that awkward, like, pinballing around dancing that they were doing. <laughs> but then they ended a make out sesh. Whatever. Like, okay. All right. The next day, Jim, we see Albert, and he's stealing from the hotel, and hero Laura practically tackles him to the ground. Can we discuss the sneak music? Like, they have this weird, like, 
course they do. Of course they do. It was so bad. Who scored this thing? Of course they do. Laura attacks him. She attacks him. (laughs) Charles comes in and questions him, and Albert lies, and he's like, I'm stealing the paper from my pa. But Charles is way too smart for this. I thought that you would have change for my 50-cent piece. It was like the most bullshit on earth. Charles is way too smart for this shit. He's like, oh, okay, well, let's go talk to your pa and straighten it out. He's like, my pa's quarantined, and I was triggered. Now I'm triggered by the word quarantined, (laughs) apparently. Well, he's like, have you had the measles? And Charles is like... No, I haven't had the measles. Well, my yeah. pa's qua, 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 qua. And Charles like, quarantined? And Laura the whole time is standing there in a weird space between non-puberty and puberty. Yes. Just yeah. kind of looking like a young person with a woman's face. Yeah, that's weird. And is like, pa is never going to believe this bullshit. She's like, pa, can you believe anyone would tell such crazy stories like that? And he's like, yeah, you. True. Yeah. True. She does. She does. She does. All right. So Charles lets him go, but like he knows what's up. Yeah. He knows mm-hmm. what's up. The next day at church, Carolyn asks the Olsons if they are going to school, and Harriet tells Carolyn the children will be going to the Winoka school. Oh, God. Now, we have some weird Olsen shit in this episode. Well, the, the, and that whole scene when they're leaving the church and the Olsons are fighting about it. The voice it, is weird. What the hell? There's a weird voiceover. Yes, like a they, weird they overdub. They do this all the time. Yeah, they must have fucked it up and they, they had to like overdub it. Yeah, and like you even have to watch because sometimes the lips don't match up. <laughs> it's really weird. Real bad. So the Olsons start fighting over money. Nels does not want to pay for the kids to go to private school. Hello, you just had to leave your hometown desolate. It's probably crazy expensive. So Harriet says the children are used to being rich and we have to keep them in the lifestyle they're accustomed. And Nels is like, I have a life insurance policy. If I kill myself, you could send them to the private school. And she's like, oh, okay. She goes, you would do that for us? Oh my God, Nels. Whoa. Nels goes through a whole thing in these two, like the next two episodes. Nels tells her, you know what? If you want to send them to the school, you get a fucking job. And then she sees a sign for a barmaid. And as revenge, she gets a job as a barmaid. Wow. <laughs> Jenny, you would probably be a good barmaid. <sighs> Not um, really, because... you don't have a good personality. You have to work for tips. You have to be nice to people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could never be in the service industry. That's true. That's true. Jenny would be like the miser bar runner in the corner. I'd be like, Charles, what do you want? (laughs) Jenny would do the angry waiting. Yeah. Yep. So then we're later, and um, Harriet's telling Nels that she got a job as the barmaid, and he's freaking out. And Nellie and Willie are telling her that Rev says, Jen, whiskey is the drink of the devil. Yes, he does. Do you have a comment on that? I mean, I feel like gin is the drink of the devil, but all right. Maybe they didn't have a whole lot of gin in that area. Maybe. Doc Baker prescribes it for patients. <laughs> Willie, the amazing stand-up comic, goes, there's a lot of sick people downstairs. <laughs> I need an Emmy Award for Will- Willie. <laughs> He's great. He's awesome. Willie is, I feel like he is the viewer. He is the voice of the audience yeah. in this. Well, and I just, I have I have a comment here, a question for you. Yeah. On a scale, okay, near, Harriet being a mar, barmaid, on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad is this going to go? Oh, this is going to go real bad. <laughs> um, downstairs, Harriet is introduced to Josie. Josie tells Harriet she could really use some makeup on her crow's feet. <laughs> and then Harriet's like, this 
These are not crow's feet. These are laugh know, lines. She's like, nothing's that funny, honey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back at the Olsons, <sighs> Charles and Carolyn are settling into bed, and we learn that Laura is making a Braille card for Mary. Everybody's been preparing for a week Those for Mary's birthday. Those gagging. It's gross. I feel like they probably could have heard that. Charles says they have no money for a gift for Mary, so he'll need to ask for him. What are they doing with their money? They're always, like, just in time. Like, having their Like, well, didn't they? Well, they couldn't sell anything in Walnut Grove, though. So, yeah, they no. probably have no money. But they don't need to spend any money here. They get free food, free board, or room and board. I mean, I'm sure they have to buy some things. I guess. Then he says, Jen, there's one thing he wants for his birthday this year and what is it i forget earmuffs oh right yeah yeah and then they laugh about how awful their lives are like that kind of laugh yeah. like <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is horrifying oh yeah. like like i did in in um november of last year oh school's closed again for my kids <laughs> okay all right, so the next morning, Charles goes over to the saloon, and he asks the Olsons to join them for the birthday party. Then he asks Standish about the advance, and Standish is like, nope, you're you're right about Standish. He's a second Mitch McConnell. Yeah, he's an instructionist. He, but he looks like Mitch McConnell also. <laughs> he's just like, like he has to be like, why is the whole town of Walnut Grove working for me right now? Like, well, what the hell has happened? Like, we no evidence to the contrary that this guy is not a dick, right? He's a dick. He's a total dick. Why would dick. you think he would give you an advance on your no, pay? Because they think there's good in everyone, and there's not. There's not, guys. He's rotting there's from not. the inside. He's so miserable. Mm-hmm. So Laura sees Albert out on the porch in front of the saloon and shames him about not going to church. And I just have Albert comes out as an atheist. Yes, he does. Yeah. And then some rando pushes Laura, and she slaps He's not a rando. I know. That's not a rando. It is at first. No, it's not. We know who he is already. Oh, did we? it's Standish's kid, guys. Yeah, it's Standish's kid. And I just have... Uh, Albert comes out as an atheist, then Laura beats up a toddler. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, this kid is like this big. Well, wait a minute. He hit her first. I know. But, she, ki- but she kicked his ass. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Good for her, too. She's like, I you want to put your fucking hands on me? You want to put hands on me, buddy? <laughs> She takes no shit. Okay. So I wrote, oh, God, here comes Nellie. Then she's in her Winoga school uniform. Oh, God. I mean, Nellie is Mary's age. Isn't she done with school yet? Yeah, I don't know. I think she She might even be. be older than Mary. She should be. She shames Laura. There's a lot of shaming happening. She shames Laura about going to school in a barn. But then Laura's comeback is tight. I forget what she said. Well, that's no stranger than... So uh, Nellie says, there's something wrong with going to school in a barn or something, right? And she goes, that's no stranger than a jackass going to study in a school. Wow. That was a sick burn. How'd I miss that? Sick burn. And Willie's like, I wish I was going to school in the barn. I hate this time. Willie actually says, good one, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) He does. He totally does. Laura says goodbye to Albert, and he lies and says that he's going fishing with his paw. Right. Okay. And Laura's like, I like to go fishing. Can I go fishing with... You know, like, Laura's just too much, man. Yeah. She's She's always inviting herself places. And and I can't decide. I think they've decided to back off the idea of a romance between those two. Yeah, they should. 
Yeah, it was weird that first episode. Laura would rather go out with a 27-year-old. Yes. She's going to be hitting on Adam soon. You wait and see. So now we see Carolyn and Jen. Baby Grace is with her in the kitchen. So now she's babysitting and running a restaurant. And there is no fucking way you can expect me to believe that baby sat in that high chair for six hours while Carolyn served dinner. Can a, can a baby do that? I have no, no. idea. Okay. No. Right. So Charles comes in and Carolyn starts going off about this fancy hat that she wants to buy Mary. Jen. Yes. Why would you bother? She can't see Oh my god. That is bad. I don't mean it like that. I feel like that. What that is wait, bad. Wait, I don't mean it like that. I'm yes, you do. Saying, <laughs> oh my god. I'm just saying you could get her the three dollar hat. It's not gonna matter to oh her. Oh my god. What? <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> That's bad. I don't mean it like that. I'm just saying like what does Mary fucking care if she has a fancy hat? Because she cares about how she looks. But even Mary pre-blind would not give a fuck. Yeah, well, that's a whole it. different story. Is I feel like Ingles don't like these fancy things. Yes, okay. But that's different than... What I said. What you said. <laughs> I just have... Does Carolyn seem high from like... Like she has a shopping high, She's I feel on a like. High. She's on a high. Yeah. yeah, and she's like, it's a 4 or $5 hat. That's $125. So that's like, an, Maybe you know, I mean. she wants the hat. That's like a decent hat. Like, you would spend that for a, a decent hat, but, like, the Ingles wouldn't. Maybe she wants the hat. Maybe she wants the hat. She'll just mm-hmm. take it off Mary's head. She won't know it. Oh, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> she has feeling. Mary will feel the hat being taken off her. <laughs> Oh my god, could you imagine? You could give her like anything and she wouldn't know she how would terrible not. it is. Okay, first of all, I would like to say that I could tell if something is expensive or cheap or nasty looking by touching it. Absolutely. Okay. Like you could tell, like feel this shirt, you'd be like, that is an old navy twelve dollar sweatshirt. Okay. Where if I had my Lululemon shirt on, you'd be like, Oh, nice. That's okay. nice. All right. So Jen, Charles has lied to her now and says he hasn't seen Standish, but he'll go now. And Jen, he goes to the pawn shop. This, okay. I have my hand up. Yes. This has, what is that fable or that thing with the the combs and the the hair? Menagerie? Is it? No. No. Let me see. You know what I'm talking about? Where she sells the comb and he sells. She sells her hair. She sells her hair. She sells her combs. But what does he get rid of? Hold. So it's got the gift of the magi vibes going on here. It does, which it? we've had this before. <laughs> we've had this before. This is an overarching theme, the gift of the magi. Although if O. Henry was writing this shit, it'd be way better. Oh, you think? Mm-hmm. Okay. Charles is offered $5. And he's like, fuck off, I'm not getting $5 for this. But he does get it. So just as he's about no, to he's offered money, he's offered like three, and then he says eight, and then they haggle to yeah, five. Yeah. So just as he's about to get his money, Albert walks in and <sighs> just blatantly steals a lamp. He's not good at this. Off the shelf, like just boom, right out in front of everybody. The owner sees him and yells, and Charles goes, "Hold on, I'll chase him down." Charles literally has to chase this kid through the entire town. So I have to say now, 
Charles is in a high-speed chase with Albert, this is exactly what you don't do in a city. Yeah. This is how people die. High yeah. speed, like, we're, I'm going to chase this kid down for a, a dollar lamp? Like, you're going to kill six people Yeah. in this chase. Yep. And a horse. Charles catches him, Jen, under the stairs of a building. And he crawls under there and he's like, let's go home and tell your pa right now. And Albert's like, this is my house, dude. Yeah. Charles, or I mean, Albert literally is a person under the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> And what does he say about who he is? He admits he's a bastard. And Charles is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't like that word. Um, I'd like to make a proposal. Oh, okay. That we now call Albert, Albert the Bastard. Or ATB. <laughs> Why are we calling him Albert the Bastard? It sounds like a Game of Thrones name. He's it Albert does, the Bastard. It, it sounds badass. It sounds badass. And he's okay. kind of badass. Okay. So Albert the Bastard is like, this is my house, dude. I live here. I ran away from this orphanage like three years ago. And Charles is like... So like when you were eight? You've been living under the stairs for three years? This is so sad and terrible. It's it's awful. I don't know why I'm laughing. And he was stealing the lamp to read. How does he know how to read? I know. They must have taught him how to read in the orphanage, I guess. Maybe. So, Charles threatens to turn him into the police, but instead he just takes the lamp and leaves. But ATB is weighing heavily on his shoulders. But I, like, speaking of $125 hats. I feel like Albert the Bastard's going to catch on, but go on. I love it. You don't love it? I love it, but it's a mouthful. Go on. ATB. That's why you got to use ATB. Um, speaking of $125 hats, did you check out Albert's, like, Kangle cap? It's pretty badass. It was cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Albert is cute, but we just don't need him. I mean, he's going to cause a lot of chaos, which we always like, so. Yeah, I mean, you know who we need back for that. I know, but I feel like I feel like Albert's picking up a little bit of that slag. Maybe. <laughs> so Charles returns to the pawn shop. Jen, the dude gives him still the $5. He's not like, thanks I know. for saving the yeah. lamp. Like, here's an extra buck. Right, so the guys, Charles is like, I'm going to buy the the lamp for Albert. Right. It's a dollar. You'd think the guy would be like, you know what, you just take it. You just he's chase a, he's this a, dude down. He's a pawn shop dealer in a, in a city. He's, he's a dick gonna, bag. Yeah, he's not going to give an inch. So, Charles buys the lamp. He brings it back to Albert. Here's, he's like, here, dude, you want to read? Here's the lamp. Why don't you come to my daughter's birthday party later? Later, Jen, Carolyn heads out to the hat store. She is on her high. She's, She's on her shopping high, and I'm like, what if, what if Albert robbed her? <laughs> you know what? I thought that was going to happen. <laughs> and she sees Charles fiddle in the window, and that's not happening. Uh, not yeah. happening on nope. Carolyn's watch. No. Nope. All right. At the blind school, Mary and Adam are getting ready to head over to the hotel. Now, I want to stab my eyes out with a fork yep. instead of watch this scene ever again. Yep. Yes. Mary's and why like, is that, Aim? Mary's like, maybe my folks forgot about my birthday. So of let's course not they didn't. Anything, of course okay? they didn't forget your birthday. And Adam's like, you look so hot now that you're 16 and a full 16. woman. Teen. Do you know how old he is? And these are the real actors' ages. <laughs> Melissa Sue Anderson is 16. And Albert is 22. No, not Albert. Lynn I mean, Loomer. <laughs> 
Adam is 22. He looks 35, but he's 22. You're calling him Albert because that's the character Michael Landon should have named after his friend's sure. dead kid. Okay, instead of whatever. writing a whole other kid into this. Even though this character may have already existed, but okay. So she's, she's, she's At this moment, he's 22. And at this minute, she's 15. That is, come on. Yeah. Uh, Linwood Boomer, man. Did, I wonder, was he canceled for this? Well, that's the thing. Is like This used to happen all the time, and it doesn't really happen as much anymore. But like I find articles about this kind of thing all the time, where it's like, the girl on the set was like 16, and the guy's like 30, and like they have a romance scene. Ugh. Like, ugh. Oh, you know, you have to wonder... Oh, never mind. I'm not even going to fucking Just get somebody it. closer to her age. I, like, was, I was just going to say, like, you have to wonder how gross that is for the guy, but you know what... No, no, no. It's probably not it's for probably the girl. Not. It's super yes. gross because yes. this was a big deal with Laura and Almanza. Yes, this was a big problem with them. Yeah, and I don't blame Laura for being like or Melissa Gilbert for being like, ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Adam's like, you look hot. You're 16. You better <sighs> get married sooner. They'll be calling you a spinster. Jesus. But I have so many thoughts on this later. I'll just wait. Something really terrible. <laughs> I was almost like, but she doesn't have her glasses on. She doesn't need them. Oh, my God. Her glasses are nullified. I'm sorry, Mary. Okay. Oh, by the way, while we're on the topic of Melissa Sue Anderson, we have to cover the episode Chubb from from Love Boat. Love Boat. I've been telling you this. That has to happen. Okay. Because there is so much to unpack there. Yeah. Not only is she seducing Doc Bricker, but she is... Fat shamed immediately. Yeah. I, I I need to do it. I need to do it. Okay. So then at Mary's like, well, maybe some handsome dude will ask me to marry him. And Adam's oh, like, so weird. maybe. And then they, they do, I, I say they do because I don't know the right verb there. They perform the world's worst on-screen kiss. Yeah, it's terrible. It's yeah. gross. Yeah, that's gross. Okay. <laughs> At the hotel, Jen, everyone's in the kitchen, and Charles is getting, like, everybody ready. Like, everybody get back in the kitchen. I'm going to go get Mary. I'm going to seat her out here. <laughs> yeah. Instead, we see... Oh, and then Harriet shames the birthday cake. Yeah, she does. Harriet. Okay. Yeah. Guys, there is no cake I will shame. No. Especially homemade one from Carolyn. Cake. Right. So... Oh, and then Carolyn gives Harriet a sick burn about being quiet. She's yeah, like, I know it's good. tough for you, Harriet, to shut There's your fucking There's some good mouthful. sick burns. There's some yeah. good sick burns mm-hmm. in this. So then we see Adam and Mary walking towards the hotel, and Harvey Weinstein approaches them. Oh, God. Never thought go. I'd say that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that's a woman with a real purdy mouth there. I just have Harlan. Oh, no, you didn't. Like... <sighs> This Charles is, witnesses oh, no. this, and it's gonna go down. Oh, God, I'm like, he's gonna get all busted up. Because he's always fighting three guys. I like, know. Like, what, what, hasn't he learned anything? Walk back in, get your giant friend, Jonathan, and come back out and kick some ass. Yes. Yep. So, Charles says to Mary and Adam, you go ahead inside the hotel. I'll be in yeah. in a minute. Mary's yeah. like, Paul. Paul, this is his ribs broken again. This isn't gonna happen. This isn't gonna be good. Something's happening, and he's like, "Just go inside." (laughs) And I totally remembered this. I totally remembered Mm -hmm. this. 
Charles starts fighting with Harvey Weinstein, and Mary and Mary runs in and gets Garvey and Nels. What is Nels gonna fucking do? Well, Mary just runs in and starts screaming like she yeah. doesn't even know they're there. So Jonathan then is like, "Nels, let's go." Jonathan steps out like the Eiffel Tower, yeah. like six. He's like, "I'm gonna seven. go kick some ass." Yep. So Charles is lying bloody and beat to <sighs> shit ribs. in a in a alley. Jonathan. Finally, stepping up as a ride or die. A little bit. Although I feel like he would have been outside and involved in this if it was Edwards. <laughs> but he is, like, going to get the revenge. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. So he goes after them, and I wrote, oh, my God, Garvey's a big dude. He's Harvey a big dude. Harvey Weinstein is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so Garvey towers over him, and he tells Harvey Weinstein, you're the bouncer here, aren't you? Why don't you get to bouncing? Why don't you get to bouncing? And then he kicks, he mops the floor with the two of them. He does, but he he assaults Harvey Weinstein through a bear hug. Yeah, yeah. He's crushing <laughs> which, him. Which I really That's a wrestling move. That. Yes, That's a wrestling I, move. I appreciated that. Because he's hugging him real, real tight, squeezing the life out of him. And just talking real calmly to him yep. in his voice. Yeah. The best it part, though, is when Jonathan's walking out and you see Standish just sit there playing cards, like watching the whole thing, not saying a word. And Standish gives him Harvey Weinstein's job. Well, right obviously. There. Obviously. He's this like, is who you want for your bouncer. Yeah. He's like, you want a job? You got one. Yep. Okay. Pa, <laughs> this is the greatest. This is so great. Pa. Beat to shit and bleeding, <laughs> stumbles into the the birthday party, and pretends that he is not beaten up. He's trying to sound enthusiastic, and all of the sighted people are like, <laughs> they have this look on their face, like, "Oh my god!" And Paul's like, "Hey everyone, like happy birthday!" And like he has fucking broken ribs, he probably can't take a full breath. There's like blood coming down his face and his eyes. <laughs> I thought this was so hilarious. Oh, God. Mary opens her present, but before she does, she's like, I know what it is already because me, Ma and I discussed it. Now, I have to say, there's a few instances here where Carolyn, like, goes behind Charles' back and is, you know, coordinating things with Mary. Yep. Carolyn's puppet mastering this shit. Mm -hmm. And, like, if you look at the box, does Charles think there's a hat in that box? I know. I don't know what the fuck he thinks. So, Jen, it's the fiddle. Yes. Carolyn has purchased it back. Pa is all bloody, and now he's crying. Yep. And blood, and, blood says, sweat, and tears, literally. Mary says for her birthday, all she wants to hear him play. And I have a confession. Okay. I was crying. Oh, my gosh. I was teared up. <laughs> I just so, like how Laura's sitting there staring at Mary like she's a god. So Did you get that? No. So here, Charles, pretend you're not injured, and now play the fiddle for us. <laughs> Charles is like wincing to play in the fiddle. <laughs> this is a mess. This is a mess. All right. So then we see Albert come in. And I was, no, it would have been baller if Albert walked in and said, Whoa, Mr. Ingalls, what happened to you? <laughs> um, Albert is a city kid. He knows better than to ask questions. Yeah. He's just like, whatever. Now Laura gives Mary the Braille card. First of all, can we discuss that they light the candles on the cake first? They do. So They're burning for like an hour. So while I'm reading this next scene, keep in mind, candles on the cake are burning. Okay. (laughs) Mary is really touched, and Laura writes, I have the whole card here. Dear Mary, you know I'm not good at words the way you are. (sighs) 
but I just wanted you to know how much I love you. I don't think I ever told you that. I guess kids just don't say it to each other. Well, you're 16 now, and Adam tells me you're a hot piece of ass, so you're not a kid anymore. So I can say it, even though you've made my life miserable for the past 16 years, you're the best sister in the whole world. And Mary says, it's your Y-O-U apostrophe R-E, not Y-O-U-R. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Laura <laughs> says, how many fingers am I holding up? <laughs> <laughs> That's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. Then Mary is sobbing and they <laughs> hug. And I wrote, okay, okay. I have this all figured out. Because where did this random act of love come from? Oh, and then they blow out the candles. Finally. This this has come from Laura has spent too much time with Carrie. Yes. And by spending too much time with Carrie, Mary, by default, is looking better. Yeah. Well, and she probably appreciates what Mary had put up with for fucking her entire life. And Laura only has to deal with it for a few years before she becomes an adult. So in the end, Mary says she has nothing to wish for because she has everyone here in the world, right here in this room. Everything in the world she wants, right here in this room. And Jen, I'm going to totally say that next time somebody gives me a birthday cake. Well, when Carolyn was like, let's light the candles, like, she kind of had that, you know, that crazy, like, like, Charles is bleeding, right? Like, there's all this shit going on. And she's like, let's light the candles. Like, let's just smooth over all this crazy-ass shit. It's like the holiday dinner yep. where everyone just got done fighting. And we're like, yep. let's eat. Yeah, <laughs> like, like the like the 2016 holidays. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, so Charles starts playing, and Willie's all like, I'm hungry. Give me some cake. Everyone and can we laughs. Just, and can we over. discuss that? Mary is a bad actress. She's horrible. She's horrible. Like, Pa, Ma, and Laura are really good actors. And I feel like Harriet and Nels are good actors in a different way. Like, they have a different style, but they're good actors. They're good. They're more theatrical. They're They're more like stage actors. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is kind of like... Yeah. Willie's good, but he he doesn't have, like, big parts. Nellie's good. Yeah, she's good enough. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But, man, Mary, Carrie, ugh. Bad. Carrie is. Was Carrie even there? No, I don't know. She she had to be. I don't know. All right, Jen. So whose fault is this? Well, wait. Cue fiddle. Cue the fiddle. Fiddle plays us out. Mm Mm-hmm. Whose fault is this, Jen? I have that this is the railroad's fault still. Oh, wow. I have that. And Charles. I have that Standish's fault. Oh, no. It's Charles. Okay. Standish is who he is. And there's a lot of things that are his fault. Don't get me wrong. How is but Charles, Charles is the fault? one that put... As I'll get to in the next episode we cover, this was a bad idea. The whole thing. The I whole also, thing is a bad I idea. I'll talk about that in the next episode. <laughs> All right, Jenny. So at the end of every episode, Jenny and I look back on a theme or a lesson or some kind of scar that we took with us, either from the first time we saw this or something we picked up on the rewatch, we, we like to think about how it has shaped our generation or imprinted on us in some way. We call it our why, and it's designed to finish the sentence, Gen X, this is why. Jenny, what is your why for this episode? So this is probably why. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm looking back and seeing what I would have seen as a kid and, like, deducing how it impacted me. This is probably why we thought it was perfectly fine for much older men to hit on us when we were teenagers. Is that yours, too? No, but you're going to make me tell the story, and I don't want to tell this story, (laughs) in case my kids are listening. Okay. (laughs) 
But when I was 14, I was legit dating a 21-year-old. Oh, my God. 14. How did our parents let that happen? I didn't do anything with him. Okay. And I didn't even really see him. Well, then, what? But this we were, doesn't even we make were, any sense. But we were dating. No, that doesn't make sense. Because he would buy us beer. Okay. He was just buying you beer. <laughs> Uh, what was he getting Jenny, out of the deal? When I, Did he overcharge you at least? But when I think about that, that is gross. It's gross. Shame gross. on that dude. Yeah. Like, I was 14 years old. Yeah, there old. was a lot of, like, 20-somethings, 25-year-olds that would, like, hang around with us and, like, mack on us all the time. And we were, like, 15, 16 years old. Gross, dudes. Gross. Really gross. Like, But we thought it was totally fine. <sighs> like We thought it was totally are, fine. My kids are 14. I can't even imagine this. You would you you would punch the hell out of this dude. Oh, Timmy would beat the piss out of him, paw style. <laughs> See, Timmy's a lot like paw. He's like, he's but that's not the thing little, is, paw's like not skinny and wiry. But paw's like, not beating up Adam. <laughs> right. True. True. I mean, to be fair, in this time, it was different. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you can't. Different. You know, like I just had this conversation in a Facebook group about Elvis and Priscilla. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And how it was just a different time. I mean, that was much later, though. That was... But does a different time mean... Like, you're still attracted to a child. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, I don't know. Like, the the only thing I think of is that psychologically, they didn't think of 16-year-olds as kids because they thought of them as adults. So, like, psychologically, we think of high schoolers as kids because they are. You know what I mean? But right. like that psychologically wasn't in people's heads a hundred years ago. Right. You know what I mean? Like it would be the same as like saying like, you can't date 20 year olds. Like we see them as adults. But like if suddenly we decided childhood extended till you were 30, you know yeah. what I mean? Like we'd be like, that's weird. Like 20 year olds are adults. Yeah. Even though, even though there's physical evidence to say, you know, you're a kid, your body is is still developing, your brain's still developing in certain ways that are yeah. different as a teenager than you are as a 20-year-old. But they didn't have any of that information then. No. Mm-mm. All right, Jenny, I have two whys. Number one is this is why you don't fuck with Charles. Because he you will, don't fuck with even Charles. if you beat him the fuck up, he will come back at you. <laughs> He'll come back. He'll come back. But my real why is this is why we believed erroneously. That as long as you had your family, you could suffer through anything. And I wrote, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Could I suffer through anything? I don't think so. I mean, you could, but should you? And is it the best decision? Okay, it would be like if, I I don't know an example, but like if I had to go on an extended camping trip. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Even if I had my family with me. It would still be miserable. It would still be miserable, and I'd be like, the camping trip ends now. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it might make it more miserable that your family's with you. Yes. Like, it doesn't, being a family and being a good parent doesn't always have to mean suffering. Right. Which I think people equate those things as, like, I'm being a good parent if I'm suffering. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing is, like, the stress of having your children around or caring for your children doesn't make things easier in a bad situation. Like, if you're fleeing uh, an angry mob, is it easier if it's just you? Or is it easier if you and your kids are together? It's easier if it's just me. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. 100%. All right, Jenny. So why don't you tell everyone what's coming up next? 
So we are skipping a couple episodes because we're just really sick of Winoka. <clears throat> so we're going skipping. to the last Winoka episode, which is There's No Place Like Home Part 1. Carolyn talks to Mary. Mary convinces Charles that he should not have to stay in Winoka if he's unhappy. So the Ingles decide to return to Walnut Grove. They invite Albert to join them. Spoiler. They invite Albert to join them, which didn't happen in that episode. No. The children at the blind school give them a horseshoe no, to stop. hang over. You're th- going too far. Because all that didn't happen. <laughs> but that's in the description, Aim. I know. I know. That's in the description. Okay. The children at the blind school give them a horseshoe to hang over their door and sing them Ooh. songs about the horseshoe. What the fuck? I have a horseshoe gar- over my door. The Garveys and the Olsons return home, too. Where, who's writing these descriptions? Because that's not what happened in that episode. Wait a minute. I have a horseshoe over my door. I want to talk about it. It's a common thing. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's there to talk and about? And if you have a facing down, you it's share bad your luck. luck with people. Isn't that bad luck? No, you share your luck. And if you have a facing up, you take the luck of the people coming in your house. So you have a facing up, I hope. I think we have a facing down because we consider that we have good luck. I thought one was bad luck and one was good luck. I don't know. Maybe Timmy has lied to me all these years. The good luck horseshoe hanging a horseshoe on or over the door to bring good luck to those inside and keep the devil away. Oh, boy. According to Supersip, ends pointing down means the good luck is able to flow out around the horn. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's true. Okay. Uh, With the ends... Down, it will let good luck spill over the door and stop evil from entering. Okay. If the door is, if it's hung up, then it will catch good luck. It doesn't say it like takes it away from other people, Jesus. No, but you know what I mean. We we get the luck Whatever. from visitors. We've always you, like, had suck, it. suck their life force out. Or We've something? always had it, and when we built our house, the horseshoe we have now was found in the dirt. Wow. There cool. used to be a barn here, we think. I hope. Um, and all I think is maybe something tragic happened and we're build- We're living on the, the grave of... A mass grave go. of horses. There you go. <laughs> go. All right, guys. So thanks for listening and we'll see you soon. Hi, everyone. Amy here. If you'd like to support our podcast, please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen. To send us an email or connect with us on social, please visit us at genxthisisy.com. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.